0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast. I'm Conrad Chua, and today I'm in D.C. speaking with Sunera Rana. Sunera is an analyst with the World Bank in the Water and Sanitation Global Practice. Sunera has worked in India with Water Health International and in Hong Kong with Lian Fung. She has an MBA from the University of Cambridge Judge Business School and a Master's in Development Economics from MIT. So welcome, Sunera. Thank you. Sinera, you started your career in a global corporation before making a big switch to the not-for-profit sector. What prompted you to make that change?
1: So to give you a little background, I did my undergrad, my bachelor's in economics and I focused a lot on development economics and so a lot of my internships were revolved around that. So I always had an interest in development economics and the development sector. But um, after I graduated, I got the opportunity to join uh, the Future Leaders Program of a Global Cooperation um, in Hong Kong. I'm, I'm from India, so this was global exposure for me. So I jumped at it. It was a, it, it was, um, a, a three-year program after which you sort of uh, spearheaded towards... Uh, a more uh, senior management role. And so it was really good exposure from an international, and uh, from a learning perspective, from a business perspective, and from a global, and from a cultural perspective as well. Um, unfortunately, I just wasn't passionate about the work, uh, and I wasn't passionate about the industry. So uh, three years into me joining um Lee and Fung, I was basically at the crossroads, and my mentor told me, he's like, either you stay on in Hong Kong and continue to develop your career here, or um, you know, this is when you need to decide what you want to do. And uh, I realized that I did not want to stay on in Hong Kong for long, and uh, I wanted to um, explore uh, development. Now, I wasn't too sure which part of development I wanted, um, and so when I went back to India, um, a lot of people, a lot of people, were surprised because um, this was a great, great. Uh, company to work for and it was a great opportunity and I was basically giving it all up to come back to India to work in a sector that was relatively alien to me early on in my career. Um, So I initially had an offer from a foundation but I took some time because I chanced upon a project in Africa so I took some time out and I uh, decided to work in Uh, work on this particular project in Africa, and working there was where I realized the power of businesses at the bottom of the pyramid, and that's when I realized that I really wanted to get into um, social entrepreneurship or get into, uh, or at least my area of passion is basically the fulcrum between business and development. So I went back to India and did not take on the offer at the foundation, and that particular foundation I um, was offered work in, and I um, specifically, started looking for for-profit social enterprises, and that's how I um, uh, got the offer at Water Health.
0: So you talk a lot about passion, and it's quite obvious that you know being passionate about what you do is very important for you. Um, you know, people who work in social enterprise for-profit sectors, um, they do so because, as you, as you, you felt passionately about a cause. Um, but there's this perception that MBAs are the exact opposite. There's no cause. They they're very dispassionate, heartless people, they only look at the numbers and the bottom line. Do you feel that's true, uh, you know, especially after you've completed your MBA, uh, do you feel there's any sort of tension between those two kind of w- perceptions or worlds?
1: Well, there was definitely a lot of eye rolling I got um, when, I, <laughs> when I moved to the uh, when I moved to the World Bank when I did say that I have an MBA. Or you know when you uh, work in the development circles in general. So there is, and it wasn't not it wasn't just after the MBA. Even during my MBA, there were a lot of uh, masters and PhD students who would um, um, gaze at you funny or roll their eyes at you and you know wonder what you're actually doing or you know whether you're just after the bottom line and what the point of that was, you know, if if the, if that wasn't there with a the purpose. Having said that, um, there's a, social entrepreneurship is growing in, uh, it's only growing in leaps and bounds, and there's uh, and people are beginning to see the huge value in the role of social enterprises and inclusive businesses such as Unilever and PNG at the bottom of the pyramid. And that's definitely growing. And so there is a niche and there is uh, a value that MBAs can contribute there. Um, It's changing, it's evolving, people, and like people are, Slowly beginning to see that, and uh, there are a lot of MBAs who do uh, like who do an MBA to not just make uh, f- to, to not just focus on the bottom line growth, but triple bottom line growth, and they do want to make a difference. And there's so many cases of uh, of success stories there. So that perception is slowly beginning to change. Um, for me personally, how I counted that was I had a very very focused. Uh, Um, CV. And so even though I did an MBA, people knew that the reason why I did my MBA was so that I could help um, find ways to bring in the private sector to the development sector and work at that nexus. So I had tailored my MBA, a a lot of the classes that I had done were uh, focused around uh, social entrepreneurship or innovation and in emerging economies. Um, I took part in a lot of uh, case competitions that were focused on uh, social entrepreneurship and even my global consulting project that I did was on low-cost technology. So since they saw that in my CV, they also saw the huge transferable skills that I was able to bring that, an MBA, um, well, that, that, any, that only an MBA can uh, instill in you.
0: So it's great to hear, you know, what you say about MBAs having, uh, being more interested now uh, in, say, the triple bottom line, and I see that a lot in MBA students who are interested to make that transition to social enterprise. And there are people who want to work in international organizations, but at the same time they come across or, or they they face that kind of eye rolling that you talked about when you first, went, you know, approached the World Bank. So do you think that an MBA is uh, a hindrance in a way, where if for people who want to work in international organizations. Um, and you know, what would your advice be to people with an MBA who want to work for international organizations like the World Bank or the IFC?
1: Depending on which part of um, an international organization you want to work for, that would uh, you know you need to sort of cater your um, your CV and you need to sort of build up your work experience as well as. Uh, your own MBA uh, to that end. So you ne- really need to know what you want to do. So for example, if you want to join an organization like the IFC, they welcome MBAs. They welcome people from the financial sector. A lot of people from the financial sector in uh, who are doing MBAs are probably at an advantage as opposed to someone with a regular masters or a PhD. Um, on the other hand, if you want to work at the World Bank, they value PhDs. They value specialized knowledge. They value people who've done a master's in policy or or economics, or you know, or even an, even someone with an MSC in finance. You know, would be valued a lot because those are attached to very specialized knowledge. You would need to write a thesis in a particular area of your interest, and you're able to sort of position yourself in a way where you say, "Look, this is what my um, education is." this is what my prior work experience is, and this is what my CV is, and so this is what I can bring to the table. And it's very, very deep and specialized, as opposed to a general management degree. So what I did was, for instance, I had, prior work experience in the water sector and i had an mba and so i uh, tailored my mba in such a way that um, you know people knew that i was very much focused on uh, social entrepreneurship i had prior water experience so when i joined the world bank i leveraged that but what was interesting was they also needed somebody with financial sector experience at the fir- in the in my, in my very first job uh, fresh out of the mba which i didn't have i had zero financial sector experience But the fact that I had an MBA helped me there because they said at least she has the development sector experience, which we can see, and her MBA will be able to help her uh, catch up quickly with the work that we have. So as a result, I was selected uh, uh, over a lot of people who had financial sector experience. So, was, so that was one advantage that I had. However, staying in the organization, I realized the, how much they valued specialised uh, a specialized degree and sector knowledge. So I made sure that I stayed in the sector. I got a second degree. And uh, in the second degree, I um, my thesis was again in water and sanitation. And so now when I move around with the World Bank, I've got the sector knowledge as well as the the required uh, specialized knowledge. So the point is that my my CV is now very much focused as a water and sanitation person. So now I don't necessarily need to do a PhD. If I choose to become an economist uh, at the World Bank, I would definitely need to do a PhD. So you need to see what you want to do um, and then tailor your CV accordingly. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that uh, MBAs struggle because uh, they throw their hat in the ring, and 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 they and, and that's what happened to me with the UN. I just, I like, put in my CV, and it was such a general CV that they didn't really know where to fit me in.
0: So, Sunera, you did uh, an MBA at, at Cambridge, and then you went across the pond to the other Cambridge to do uh, a master's in development economics. So, how did did you use any of the learnings uh, from the MBA to your master's thesis and did all of that that combination help you in terms of getting into the World Bank?
1: I did my my master's. It was an advanced management degree with a specific focus on development economics and uh, um, and policy. And so my thesis had to sort of cover all three areas. And uh, the thesis that I did at MIT was the role of uh, the private sector in bringing sanitation solutions to the poor in India. And so, while MIT provided me with that platform to build up my specialized knowledge, which was very, very valued at the World Bank, in fact, my thesis was a research piece for the World Bank. Um, what I brought uh, to the thesis was um, a value chain analysis to the sanitation sector. That, the framework that I developed, the ultimate framework that I developed and the entire value chain analysis that I underwent was completely um, lessons that I learned from my strategy class in Cambridge. In fact, I. In my thesis, I acknowledged my strategy professor in Cambridge for all the teachings that she had, because that, that was basically my value add there. And uh, the World Bank actually looked at my paper and uh, just absolutely um, wanted me to continue working and, apply, and they wanted me to apply this in other sectors. And it was simply because of that value chain analysis, which had not been done earlier, because people had not necessarily looked at it earlier, because there are relatively fewer MBAs there. So the learnings that, so while um, MIT helped me transition back into the World Bank in DC, the thesis that helped me were basically learnings that I completely lifted off at uh, the Georgia Business School.
0: Well, that's great. I'll definitely make it a point to uh, tell Allegra this when I get back. <laughs> you talked a lot about your passion in water and sanitation health. So I think this is a great great time to for you to t- share a bit about what do you do in the world bank in uh, as an analyst in this practice
1: there are a few buckets so one of the things that i do is i look at the water and sanitation portfolio in the world bank and uh, i and and this is across all the countries at the world bank and and basically seeing how they perform so i'm you know going to looking at different countries such as nigeria or india or indonesia and basically taking a global snapshot and seeing how um, the World Bank is performing in those countries, as well as how the countries themselves are performing, and then determining the way forward uh, to e- and providing a list of recommendations on how we can work better with the country governments and how the con- what the country governments could uh, do better that's one part of it the other part is we I'm trying to um, trying to figure out the role that the private sector can play in uh, bringing water and sanitation solutions to the poor now this is something that's already been it, it's an ongoing thing because uh, public-private partnerships uh, exist everywhere. But uh, at the same time, the private sector is such a broad term. There's, domestic, there's a domestic private sector, there's the international private sector, and then you've got your NGOs and community organizations and social enterprises, and they're in different parts of the value chain. So uh, what I'm trying to do is, just, uh, is basically categorize them into different typologies, see where they fit in, and then basically see how, depending on what the enabling environment is with the government, see how we could... Uh, um, better um, work with them to bring these solutions to the last mile.
0: What is, um, say, one of the most exciting projects that you see in this space? You know, whether it's in uh, Nigeria, India, or any of the other countries that you mentioned.
1: Uh, the Sustainable Development Goals have kicked in, and these are very, very uh, ambitious goals that have been uh, set up by the UN. So, as a result, so uh, coming to water and sanitation. Um, it requires It's put the countries further back uh, from where they were, and it's put them at a new baseline, and they need to now figure out how they can achieve these sustainable development goals uh, by the year 2030. What the World Bank has been doing all this time is um, basically investing in big-ticket items like piped water systems uh, in different countries and figuring how to bring piped water solutions to um, the last mile. Um, but this requires; these require very long lead times and huge amounts of money, and so they, what they've been doing all this time is they've been pumping um, money into uh, these governments. However, having said that, a country like Nigeria has, um, because of growing urbanization, while on one hand international organizations have been pumping in money into the urban sector, for instance, piped water supply has still reduced from 30% in the 90s to 3%, you know, because of growing urbanization among other reasons. So the point is that though, it hasn't worked. And so now people are beginning to get more and more frustrated saying, okay, so then what works? The, the, there's a growing uh, space out here for other, the softer part of the private sector, which is social enterprises or uh, um, inclusive businesses, um, such as your PNG and and Unilever and your Tata, that are actually providing frugal technologies or, um, or uh, business models at the last mile. So, for example, um, creating these little water filters, which are very, very cheap at the last mile. So even though there's no uh, piped water uh, in these villages, they're still able to solve the problem, provide safe drinking water through alternative means that are cheap, that are sustainable, and uh, that work. And I think this is something that people are beginning to uncover. Some people are skeptical about it because they think it's a stopgap solution. Other people are beginning to see that no, I mean, there is an alternative to long lead times and like big ticket fancy investments, which is this growing social sector, and uh, which and which are like uh, scalable, sustainable business models. So I think we, we would be able to hit the sustainable development goals as a whole. And it's an exciting time because it's a, it's at a nascent stage right now, so exploring how this turns out is what I feel is pretty exciting, especially for someone like me who's right at that nexus between um, the private sector and development
0: so So Nera, you've been on both sides you you work in now in the World Bank, which is a large organization, as you say um very, very used to big-ticket, long lead-time projects. But you've also worked in uh, NGOs on the ground where you're doing some of that frugal innovation that you mentioned. And I I know you studied that also uh, in your MBA. So do you see, you know, um, the World Bank being able to encourage some of these smaller uh, projects that have a lot of impact at that last mile?
1: There's definitely potential. It's a question of convincing the right people. Um, I am currently working on that project and um, there's definitely a lot of uh, potential, but it hasn't been tapped yet.
0: All right. Well, thanks very much, Neera. That's been really exciting to first learn about your career, what's driven you, also how international organizations... Uh, look at MBAs, how MBAs can position themselves to work in international organizations, and, of course, to learn more about the work that you're doing, that the World Bank is doing for global water and sanitation. So thank you very much, Sonera.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you so much, Conrad.